2: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at at KKLA.com. or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now,
1: here's Pastor Scott. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today from 3 to 5, as we always are, talking about issues of the day. From a Christian perspective, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I hope that you're doing well wherever you are. Let me ask you this question. What is, how are you investing in people in your life who are not believers? Meaning... Do you give this much thought? Do you think about this at all? And I like to say this a lot. And if you look at our country today and you look at what everything is, everything that's going on, and a lot of things I think people say, we got the politics and we got the primaries and, you know, both sides are saying, oh, that doesn't look good for our candidate or it does. I'll tell you what, it doesn't mean anything. No, but it's. It's too early. So much can change so fast in that world. But at the same time, I wonder what our expectation is. Whatever you think, whoever you're going to vote for, what's your expectation of the next two years or four years? Are all the problems going to be solved? Are the people that we elect this time around, are they going to run unopposed in two years or four years because they've done such a great job nobody even wants to run against them? You ever thought about that? Uh, that's not going to happen. The you know, the worst of it is, is things might not be better as far as a lot of these issues. But I think that there is something that Americans sense, this is probably a sense in a lot of the world today, even in uh, some Western other Western countries, certainly is in uh, non-Western countries, actually. And it's this. We have a sense that we need to be penitent that we need to somehow repent. We probably don't use that word. We probably don't think of it always as religious, but we have a sense that we need to be penitent. We just don't know what direction to kneel. I think that's something. I heard this uh, statement from Joe Rogan. You know who Joe Rogan is? He is a podcaster. I think he's the podcaster. Am I right? Isn't Joe Rogan the the biggest podcaster in the country. I think he is. He used to be a comedian and a game show host, and now he's got this podcast, and he'll talk about anything or everything. And, uh, you know, I don't listen all the time because uh, I don't have time for that because he also, I think, goes on for for two hours, and that's what I get to do every day on this show. But he'll talk about just about anything. But listen to this. He had this comment the other day about the state of everything. Can we turn that on? I don't think I'm... Let me see here.
3: But I think... As time rolls on, people are going to understand the need to have some sort of divine structure to things, some sort of belief in the sanctity of love and of truth. And a lot of that comes from religion. A lot of people's moral compass and the guidelines that they've used to follow, to live a just and righteous life has come from religion. And unfortunately, a lot of very intelligent people they dismiss all of the positive aspects of religion because they think that the stories are mere superstitious fairy tales that you know they they have no place in this modern world, and you know we're inherently good, and your ethics are based on your old moral compass, and we all have one, and that's not necessarily true. We need to, we need Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I think for real. Like if he came back now, it'd be great. Like Jesus, if you're thinking about coming back. Right now?
1: Now's a good time. Mm
3: -hmm. Pretty soon, yeah.
1: Now's a good time. Now, I don't think he's a Christian, right? Do you guys listen to Joe Rogan at all? I don't think he's, uh, I don't listen enough to say that for sure, but I don't think he claims to be a Christian. I think he has Christians on there sometimes who say certain things, and he'll explore the issues and maybe the moral issues of things. But he comes to this conclusion that we need Jesus, and we need Jesus to come back now. I'm all for that. You know, I know there's a lot of different views on how that's all going to play out, and in my personal understanding, I think we're going to be here a while. I don't think Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but I also know that some Christians think he might, and that might be—you might be right. I hope that you're right. That would be fantastic. But, you know, I think that there are things in the Bible that are going to have to play out, and maybe we're at that place in history, maybe we're not. But wherever we're at, he is making statements about the need— for something religious, he would say, the need for something to step in. He calls it a divine structure. And it's interesting because the divine structure, as he calls it, is something that we have rejected. And yet we come from a group of people who knew that you needed a divine structure, Right, that is the basis and the foundation for Western civilization, a Judeo Christian ethic, where not everybody is a Christ follower or would say that they're a Christian, but you love your neighbor as yourself, and there's a certain way to treat enemies, and that we should have a level of respect for each other, that we should have true justice that we should have, you know, you should have the right to face your accusers. And you start to get into the foundation of our government, for sure, and Western civilization in general, and the things that have led to the freedoms of people, the end of slavery, the end of all kinds of government oppression, the end of the idea that the king is unfallible, those kinds of things. It's it's important. We used to know better, though. I think we used to know. He you know, he's, he recognizes that maybe we need to kneel toward Jesus. That's what I found interesting about this clip. How many people do you know who think this way? Or maybe here's a better question. Do you know how the people are thinking in your relational world, the people that you work with or go to school with or that you spend time with? Maybe they're in your family. Maybe you just hang out with them all the time. Do you know what they are wrestling with when it comes to a divine structure. Let's hear this Joe Rogan quote again. But I think as time
3: rolls on, people are going to understand the need to have some sort of divine structure to things, some sort of belief in the sanctity of love and of truth. And a lot of that comes from religion. A lot of people's Moral compass and the guidelines that they've used to follow to live a just and righteous life has come from religion. And unfortunately, a lot of very intelligent people, they dismiss all the positive aspects of religion because they think that the stories are mere superstitious fairy tales that you know they're they have no place in this modern world and you know we're inherently good and your ethics are based on your old moral compass and we all have one and that's not necessarily true we need to we need jesus (laughs) i think for real like if he came back now it'd be great like jesus if you're thinking about coming back right now now's a good time pretty soon
0: yeah
1: now's a good time now it's interesting now he's If you listen to his podcast, there's a lot of words that we wouldn't be able to use on a regular radio show and things like that. Like I said, not a Christian. But what I find interesting is at the end, he says, what if this is real? Like, Jesus, if you're real. I think people are looking for something that is divinely real. I think the people that you know who you think are not believers— or maybe you, if you're listening and you're not a believer, I think you're looking for this. What? How would you respond to Joe Rogan? Do you feel like he does, or and are you kind of lost, or do you know people who think that, or are you not sure? How would you respond to him? 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557, if you want to join the conversation. See, I think that we're a lot more like this, and one of the reasons this is on my mind is probably in your church, you are gearing up for Easter. If you go to church, you're getting ready for Easter and you're going to have, you know, maybe a big Easter program. Maybe you don't. Some churches, you know, they pull out all the stops for Easter and they have this big, huge show and they just do everything well. And it's great. It's exciting on Easter. It's a little bit of a bummer for the visitors who show up and they think that's how it is every week, you know, and then they come the next week and you got nothing, no coffee, no donuts, none of that, right? No people flying around in the ceiling, which so I don't think you should do that. But Uh, I think a lot of us, we just want to put our best foot forward because we know, hey, Easter, a lot of people are going to show up. And you know why they're going to show up? Because they're looking for some kind of divine structure in their life. They're not really sure what that is, but they have a sense that maybe I should go to church. Most people show up because you invited them. They're showing up because they've either been to your church a lot before because somebody, you know, a lot meaning Christmas and Easter or because you invited them. And I think you should invite people to church and you should invite people to Easter. But if I could say something here about that, I think that there's a lot more to it. And I think that one of the reasons that we are dealing with uh, the Joe Rogan suggestion, the idea here that we have a need of something, but we're not entirely sure, maybe if Jesus is real, this would be really good. I think it's because we get into a place where in the church, we always say, invite your friends, but really there's a lot more to that that's outside of the walls. See, because something about the Bible and what we're taught from Jesus and the apostles and the scriptures is this, we are never told to invite people to our buildings. Like there's never anything that says, it's not wrong, but there's, the command is not, hey, everybody gather together in the same place and then invite people to come to you right the the call really is always to go out you know to go and make disciples it's not just to and that might mean go across the street that might mean go across the hall right that can mean a lot of things to different people but we're we're called to make disciples of jesus we are called and to have the teachings and the understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the idea that human beings, every human being, every every culture anyway of human beings in history has felt that there is something missing. There's a spiritual angst that every culture has had, and they have tried to determine what that is and the Egyptians worshiped the sun and the moon and the stars, and they had other gods, and the Romans had gods, and the Greeks had gods, and there's Eastern gods and Western gods, and different ways of working that out. And once in a while, you have some people who say there is no God, because like he was, what Rogan was saying is, we get too smart for ourselves, and uh, then we start to belittle people who believe in God, even though most people always have, and even though there must be something, there is something in our heart. What I'm saying is that this is that there is a real God and there is a way to know him. That's the message of Jesus. And, and the message throughout the scriptures that God is with us, that Jesus, his name will be Emmanuel, God with us, that he came to dwell with us. He sends us his spirit to be with us, that the entire goal at the end, whenever Jesus does come back, is that we will always be with him and all of our needs will be met. And there will be no more death, no more sadness, no more tears. I mean, the story of Christianity and how it works itself out through salvation, the prophecies of Christ, the the actual life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and the, the church and the disciple-making and then the return of Christ and everything that happens and the promise of new heaven and new earth where there's no more death, no more sadness, no more tears, all of that. Uh, it's a fantastic story. And the idea that there is forgiveness and grace for that spiritual angst that you have in your heart, that spiritual need, that the angst that you are hearing Jill Rogan say in that, right? There's an angst, there's, there's a sense that we need this divine structure. Well, we have it, and we have it through Christ. And that's really what the message is of church, that it's not just a an invitation to show up on Easter Sunday, or to show up on Sundays in general. You should, if you're a Christian, you should be there and be present. But we have a mission. You know, for Christians, we have a mission. And the mission, the reason that you are gifted by God spiritually, the reason that you are still on this planet, you know, after you, you know, why are you here after you accept Christ? Right? I mean, wouldn't it make sense that you accept Christ into your heart and then boom, you go right to heaven? You know, you're not. You're not. That's not happening. And the reason is is because now you're on a mission from God. You're on a mission from God, like they used to say in that movie. It's a better mission than that movie. You have a mission. You are gifted by God spiritually. You have forgiveness of your sins. You have a story to tell of how God saved you through Christ and what you've received through Christ. And you're on a mission to tell that story. Who's going to listen to you? Well, the people who are going to listen to you are the people in your relational world, the people that you know, your family, your friends the people that you have conversations with. And, you know, I think that there is something very much more that we are missing. And I want you to think about this. God has a couple of lists, and he makes lists that I think are relevant to us. And he does this in the Bible because the world is at war with God. And the thing is, you need to know the world's going to lose that war. And there is a way for us to be on the winning side, which is to be on God's side. It's not about God being on our side. That's how you get in trouble. You know, God's on our side. Well, you know, both sides in the Civil War thought that God was on their side. Uh, And that's one of the things that theologically we should learn from all of that is that God's not on anybody's side. God's on the side of righteousness and truth. And that's where our hearts need to go. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And I want you to think about this because the people that you are thinking maybe you should invite to church for Easter, you should. You should do what your church is telling you. Maybe they give you little invitations or you put it out on your Facebook or your Instagram, hey, come to church, do that. But I think it's much more than that. And I think that the people that you know in your life, they think a lot like Joe Rogan's thinking. They think I need some kind of divine structure. They're just going to look for it in some other places. But I want you to, to see this thing in the Bible. There's there's a, a list uh, of names in the Bible that God has, and it's a list of names of people who will be saved for eternity. It's a list of names who are covered by the blood of the Lamb, whose sins are forgiven, who will inherit everlasting life. You know, th- this is it, Revelation 20. It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, by the way, Revelation is the last book of the Bible. It's called the apocalypse. It's the end of time. It's how everything winds up. And if you sat down and you read through that book today, you would not understand a lot of it in specifics, but you would understand the point. You would understand the big, the big deal of it. And you would understand that that's what you're watching on the news today whether that's something that's coming quickly or something that's coming later, you know, or right now or later on. I mean, you will recognize history is headed exactly where the book of Revelation says it's headed. We don't know all the details. It's symbolic language. I think that's on – well, for sure it's on purpose. And I think that whoever really is in that last generation, those symbols will become abundantly clear. Uh, although many of it, much of it we can discern, you know, what that stuff is. Anyway, this is the end times. This is a final judgment. Then I saw on a great white throne. Most of us feel like there will be judgment, right? That's that's one of the reasons why you hope that there is a God, that there is morality in the universe, that there is accountability for murders and rapes and the terrible things that people do. That's This is where it is. I saw a great white throne on, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. This is the list I'm talking about right here. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found in the written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So that's pretty serious stuff right there. Uh, you probably don't have that passage on a mug or a plaque in your office, right? It's probably not something that uh, you, you talk about that too often. But it's pretty serious. It's a lot more serious than anything else, the judgment of God on us. And that judgment is way beyond any judgment that any person would ever put on you, any judgment that the church would put on you or a pastor somewhere or a parent or a sibling or just some other person disagrees with you and decides you're a terrible, evil person because you don't vote the way they vote or whatever. Uh, This is the most serious thing that every human being should consider that there is a God, that he does care what it is we believe and whether or not we're going to kneel to him and whether or not we're going to accept the salvation through his son. It's a huge deal. Romans 14, Paul writes the book of Romans. Why then do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. That is uh, a powerful thing. Now, you, there's two different uh, thrones here that are mentioned. Uh, one is the great white throne. One is the, uh, the Bema seat or the Bema seat, depending on how you pronounce it. There are books written about how to pronounce these old Greek words. And uh, people fight about that in uh, academic circles. It's kind of funny. The Bema seat is where everybody goes. Uh, most people think Pilate sat on that. It's It's the idea where Pontius Pilate said on that when he pronounced his decision about Jesus. It is a seat where a judge in the Olympic Games and the old ones would sit and give out the awards, you know, for uh, whoever would, you know, be the winners and stuff. Uh, Christians will be there. It will be about mission and how we did in our mission. It's how we did with the mission, our heart's attitude, where we, you know, where we were doing church. Were we making disciples or we just doing church for us so that we have a nice Jesus club to be part of? You know, I think that's a big part of it. Right, outwardly those things can look the same, but inwardly it's different, and the spiritual results are different. What our church and our participation in church is really about. You know, are people getting saved because of our work in the church? Are we leveraging our church for that, inviting our friends, or is it just a social club for us? I think that's something that Christians should think about. And don't just blame your pastor. Like, don't don't worry about them. What are you, what's your attitude towards your church? You know, what is it that you bring? I think this matters a lot. I think that there are people that are listening now, people that you know now, who when they hear these things, they're at least curious. Some people just shut it out. Their heart is hard. But I think most people really want to know. Somebody's texting me, another pastor, baby seat. Everybody's got a different pronunciation for that. And we'll argue about that in another time. When we come back, I'll uh, explain the different thrones and uh, some lists. I think this matters a lot. I'd lo- like to know what you think, too. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Do you invite people to come to church with you on Easter? How do you do that? And... uh you know, is that the best way to do it? What do you think? 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We're on every day from three to five. You can follow us on social media at Pastor Scott Show, and you can watch us now on Rumble at rumble.com or at the Rumble app. Just look for the Pastor Scott Show and you can watch us live every day. You can even make comments online. We'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned.
2: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show.
3: But I think as time rolls on, people are going to understand the need to have some sort of divine structure to things, some sort of belief in the sanctity of love and of truth and A lot of that comes from religion. A lot of people's moral compass and the guidelines that they've used to follow, to live a just and righteous life has come from religion. And unfortunately, a lot of very intelligent people, they dismiss all the positive aspects of religion because they think that the stories are mere superstitious fairy tales that you know they're they have no place in this modern world and you know we're inherently good and your ethics are based on your old moral compass and we all have one and that's not necessarily true we need to we need jesus <laughs> i think for real like if he came back now it'd be great like jesus if you're thinking about coming back
1: right now now's a good time yeah, pretty soon yeah now's a good time that was podcast host joe rogan who's not a christian Who I don't think knows Jesus. And uh, it's funny because at the end, he said, we need Jesus. It's almost like he just shared Christ with himself in that whole explanation of where I think people really are. So many people that you know are who, and maybe many of you listening are in this place where you realize you need something, you need some kind of divine structure, but it needs to be real. It can't be just a, a higher power that you've invented. It's got to be something that is real. And in order for it to be real, it has to be actually an authority. Actually, there has to be some kind of resolution to the evils and the injustices of the world, right? That is what people are longing for. We're looking at these terrible stories today about uh, illegal immigrants who have murdered or the thousands of people who are homeless just even here in Southern California who die in their homelessness, and it feels like we can't do anything about it. We're spending billions and billions of dollars and helping very few people with all of that. There are so many other subjects where you could take that discussion. I think what he's talking about is a spiritual angst that we have. So I wanted to talk about that, and especially in light of the fact that Easter is coming up uh, basically in a month. It's early. It's March 31st this year. Did you know that? So March. So you don't – it's not April. It's March this year. Uh, March 31st. And uh, so your church probably is asking you to invite your friends or you're thinking about that, and that's all good, but your friends might be very much like Mr. Rogan. You may be very much like Mr. Rogan. Even if you go to church, can we just tell that secret here? I've been in church my whole life, and I can tell you that there are a lot of people who are in church every Sunday who aren't really sure what it is they believe, And, and sometimes I've had people say, I wish that were true. All that stuff you say, Pastor Scott, I wish that were true. Well, I think it is true that you know, there is life in knowing that this is true. I had, I've told this story before, but uh, I had somebody in her 90s once who'd been in church her entire life. I don't know if she'd ever missed a Sunday her entire life. I'll bet she never missed an Easter her entire life. And in her 90s, she asked me what the gospel is. She couldn't articulate it at all. And I said, how many Easter sermons have you heard? You know, people, I think, inside have an internal conversation. Do you have that conversation? I've got one. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's – I think it's normal. I think – I know for some of us, the internal conversation, we're talking to ourselves. you know, we need to go see somebody about it. But all of us have a conscience or some kind of internal conversation. And I think that's what Joe Rogan is saying there, that we have some sense about the fact that we need God. And I think that you should assume that the people that you know, if you're a Christian, the people that you're thinking about right now that you ought to invite to Easter, uh, they, they're they thinking about it. And I was talking about the the list that God has. He has a list. There's a few lists in the Bible that God has. One of them is in the Book of Life. It's the list of everybody who's saved. It's the list of everybody who has received Christ. It's the list of everybody who gets eternal life. You want to be in that list. All right, however, it's in a book somehow. And that is how that is kept. That's how that is explained to us the best we can, uh, that there is this list. And there are two different thrones. One is the Bema seat, or the Bema seat, or however you want to say it. And this is one everybody will stand in front of. All the Christians, anyway, will be in front of this seat. Uh, And it's about your mission and how you did. But there's also the great white throne. This is court. This is what you see. And we read the passage at the end of Revelation That is a sobering passage where people are judged on what they believed and what they did, and those whose names are not in the book of life, (laughs) lake of fire. It's a, uh, you know, that's right there, book of revelation right at the end. This is court. If, If believers are there, there's different interpretations of that. If believers are there at all, then what happens is that's the moment you're declared righteous. Righteous meaning you're right with God. Everything has been made right. Uh, this is the scene of everybody's confirmation of their eternal destination, whatever that is. And that it's not something that you can just argue your way, argue your way into it is what is in your heart, who are you really? And God knows all of that stuff. What does it take to be declared righteous? You heard Joe Rogan talk about that. You know, your friends, what do they need to know? You know, are you worried about it for yourself? You know, where are you at? It's a great error. Let me tell you something. An error that we make in the church is that somehow in the conversation of what do I need to be saved, somehow in the conversation of what do I need, if you're going to even use that term, Joe Rogan used it, to be declared righteous. That may not be the term you always use, but what do I need to be right with God? Sometimes an error that church makes, and I think we make it a lot, is that we put church format or church tradition, traditions in the mix of that conversation, right? We say, I desperately want you to become a Christian, but you also need to agree with me on all of my secondary opinions and traditions. See, the problem with that is that the, the latter of that keeps a lot of people from the gospel. It keeps people away from the main thing. You know, the the latter are traditions or the different secondary opinions that we have. Those things should support the gospel. They should support how we live our life if we're following Jesus. They should support the main thing, that Jesus died for your sins, that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life, that you need to believe in him. You need to follow Jesus. It's something in your heart. It's not like picking a political party on your voter registration card. It is accepting that Jesus died for you, for your spiritual angst, for your sins, you want to do that, see? Because the most important list there is that you want your name in is the Book of Life. This is John three sixteen, but this is what follows it. You know, you probably memorize it. There's a guy at the football games. Is that still? The... You always see John three sixteen out there. This is the Pastor Scott Show. By the way, you can call and join the conversation 888-528-2557. 8885282557. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We should have memorized the rest of this. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. See, that's the, that gets into the meat of it. Then John three thirty six, a little bit further down. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. That's harsh, right? It's sobering. But this is one of the reasons for Christians why we should care and why we should care about the main thing, the main thing about Jesus Christ. This is the purpose of our church. I said yesterday, I think as we closed the show, at some point, your church was planted in your neighborhood in order to spread this message that Jesus has died for you. And if you believe in him and accept him, you get everlasting life, that, that the purpose of your church is for people who aren't there already. The problem is that often the purpose of our church later, it becomes it's for us. And if you show up and you join and you like our traditions and you like the way we go about things, well, then good for you. But that wasn't why your church was planted. Your church was planted so that people would get this understanding of what Jesus Christ did so that their name would be in the list of the book of life. You get redemption. You get a new permanent life. This is what Revelation says for those who are believers. Then I saw Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these things are trustworthy and true. It is such a incredible passage there. This is the hope that you have in Christ is that, and notice that God, you know, what does God want from you? Here's what he wants from you. He wants to be with you. Don't miss that. He wants you to accept his grace and his mercy through Jesus Christ that That you are not saved because you did a bunch of good stuff, because you did enough good things, because you went to church, you did the routines. You're saved because Jesus paid the penalty for your sin and the terrible sin of the world. And when you accept that, you get eternal life. And you know that you accept that because that's when you start to obey Christ, right? If you really believe that, the evidence of your faith is that you do good works. You don't do good works in Christianity. You don't do good works in order to be saved. You get saved, and then you do good works as a response to that. That's that's what belief is. Belief will cause you to do something. You You know, if you believe that your car is parked in the parking lot wherever you parked it, or maybe it's out in the garage, if that's what you believe— well, then when it's time to go and get in your car, you're going to head to that parking garage or that parking lot or your garage. That's what you're going to do. You're not going to head some other place. You're going to go where you believe it is. Belief has everything to do with what how we conduct ourselves. And that's, that's the test, right? So a person who says they're a Christian, but they don't obey Jesus, there's a big problem there. Maybe you don't really believe. We all struggle and we all fail at that. Jesus died for all of that. But here's the thing. We... God has this list, this list of people who are saved, and you want your name on it, and you want other people's name on it, and you are on a mission to help them know that. And God being with you, he will wipe every tear from your eyes. What does that mean? Imagine he grabs your face, and with his thumbs, he moves those tears aside, and you never have them again. That is That is just amazing when you really think about that. But there are other lists that God has. I'm going to tell you about those when we come back. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Hey, during the break, why don't you check us out on social media? We're at Pastor Scott Show on your Instagram, your TikTok, Facebook, or X, and on Rumble at Pastor Scott Show. Check it out right now. We'll be right back.
2: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m.
1: Now back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. I want to remind you that Ask a Jew, Ask a Christian is coming up on March, March the 12th. And uh, you can get tickets right now at kkla.com. It is a Jewish-Christian dialogue with Dennis Prager and Pastor Alan Jackson. It's our own Dennis Prager will be there. And uh, Pastor Alan Jackson, who you hear on this station, and they'll be talking about a whole lot of different issues, including the uh, issue of of anti-Semitism here in the United States and around the world, what a... Uh, Christian and Jewish relations, and uh, lots of different things that everybody should know. So this isn't just for Jewish people or just for Christians. This is for anybody who just wants to know what do these different people groups or ideas, what do they believe, how do they differ? As a Christian myself, I think this is so incredibly important because we get it wrong a lot about what we think are our Jewish friends think about the world or what they think about Jesus, or we kind of have our own opinion about it sometimes, we're very wrong, and that will get uh, worked out at this. And, you know, everybody's got assumptions they make, right, about different people and what they believe and different experiences that they have. This is an opportunity to address that. So uh, it's going to be also entertaining. It'll be fun. It's at Shepherd Church, which is in Porter Ranch, and you can get there from any freeway in uh, Southern California. All It's easy to get to from anywhere in uh, Los Angeles, especially but everybody in San Diego. You got uh, the 5 and the 15. Just come right up the coast. won't take you too long to get there. And that's March 12, 2024 at 7 p.m. And uh, there's a VIP reception at 5.30. Tickets are available now. Go to kkla.com and click on the banner, Ask a Jew, Ask a Christian. All right, I promised you I'd give you a couple of lists. And I- I'm telling you this for a reason. We're getting up close to Easter time, and we're going to be facing a lot of things, I think, uh, this year with respect to the faith, and I want to make sure that when we think about our friends or the people that uh, maybe you're struggling about faith or you're trying to figure out what this is all about, that we understand a few things. One of them is that God has a couple of lists. One of them is the book of life, Every people who are saved. Not every name is going to be in that list. You get in that book because you believe and you follow Jesus. You believe that he died for your sins and he rose again and you follow him. When your Your belief will help you do that. And it's wonderful because anybody can be saved. It's the ultimate equalizer. If you're really into the whole equity discussion that so many people are, well, go there. Everybody gets saved the same way by faith. Whether you're rich or poor, whatever your ethnic background is, whatever your life is about, however many sins you've got or how many sins you don't, you still need a Savior. His name is Jesus, and when you confess Him as Lord, you get saved. When you believe in him, you get saved. And your sins are forgiven. As dark as your life might be, some of you, you have been forgiven of a lot. And some of you have been forgiven for less. Nevertheless, you need the same salvation through Christ. So you get in the book of life, that's one list. But God also has a list about the past. Uh, Romans three twenty one. but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at at the present time so that to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now, you can preach on that for weeks. All right. Some of you, you've had, you're in church and your pastor says, uh, we're going to do the book of Romans and you're going to be in it for years. There's so much in there. Because it's very, very real. But here's the thing that I want you to know. There was a list of your sins. Everything you did, everything that was on your heart, every selfish motive you ever had, list of your sins. What happened is God took that list and he put it on Christ and he nailed it to the cross. That's the promise of God right there. The hardest thing for so many people who don't believe in God or struggle here is, you know, if you don't believe in God at all, is that there's no justice ultimately. If you can get away with it, you can that if there is something you can do uh, and not be punished by civil justice, by the police, well, do it then. There's there's no accountability. And that's a huge problem if there's no God. But see, God and his mercy, I believe there is a God, and justice will be done for all of us. But God in his mercy, mercy is part of justice, by the way, and grace, it paid for your sins. He doesn't just excuse your sins and say they don't matter. Somebody had to die for your sins. And they were paid for by the blood of his own son, getting what you and I deserve. He listed your sins and mine and took care of that debt. That's the second gift. It's free. It's salvation. And grace, I think, is pretty wide. You know, that's why people who are on their deathbed and they receive Christ, they get grace. Um, I've, I've been through it where I think people might have received Christ in their last moments. And only God knows. But I think that's true. And some people think, well, that's not very fair. I've worked my whole life. Well, be you didn't earn it. You know, either way, you had a better life then probably than that person. We have no idea what God might be doing in the life of people, even in their last moments. But there is always hope that he can do that. See, this is a list of God in the past. The list of God in the future is the book of life, who gets saved. The list of God in the past is your sins that he nailed to the cross. But there's also a list for the present. And as you think about Easter coming... This is what I want you to think about. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He gave us a list of something to do. So God has a list of people who are saved. That's for the future. There's a list of your sins. That's in the past. He nailed them to the cross, even the sins you're currently doing. Jesus died for those things. Confess them, turn away from them, and Ask Jesus to change you, and he will. But there's a list of something for us to do now, the good works. And why do we do that? We do it for a purpose, so that other people can be saved. Well, I want to be about social justice. Well, you should be about biblical social justice. Why, though? Just to help people? No, so that people can be saved. That's the reason. Why should I use my gifts at my church? Because to edify the body of Christ? Yes. Why? Why does that need to happen? So that others can be saved see this matters a whole lot this is what jesus is doing he's building his church and here's something that people need to know it's something that we played the joe rogan clip earlier how he's seeking out a divine he says that people are seeking a divine structure for their life here's what it is god wants to be with you he wants you to be not just somebody who is forgiven and you get to go to heaven but that's really all it is It's about being adopted into the family of God, and you become brothers and sisters and family. And a big part of what is necessary for us, I think, is that we realize that what people are looking for is relationships. They get a relationship with their Creator. That's amazing. But being part of the church— not a church, not having your name just down on some membership list, but actually being a part of the body of Christ and living for the same purpose, the mission that Jesus gave us to make disciples as brothers and sisters in Christ, that fills the hole that so many people are looking for. Forgiveness, grace, acceptance, belonging, that's what we need to make sure we are offering people in our discipleship. Not something where you, you take what somebody is doing in their life and you say, hey, anything you do is okay. That's not at all what's taught. It's that, hey, all of us need to confess our sins and grow closer to God. Let's do that together. Let's study the Word of God together. Let's confess our sins together. Let's go out on mission together. And let's live forever in eternity together. You know, this is something, you know, your friends who you might invite to church, you know what they're really looking for is not just an invite on some Sunday. They're looking for relationships. They're looking for true friendships, true belonging with true eternal purpose. And that exists. And it's not something you make up. It's not something that you can change. It's something that God has told us what it is. He revealed it to us through the scriptures. It's there. And our job is to let people know about that and don't let everything get confused with all the different things in this world. You know, I think we have, we're going to talk about it uh, next, we have an idea of what compassion is, that we say something and then we're compassionate, but compassion is doing. And compassion is something that's true. It's not compassionate to leave people in their sins. It's not compassionate to leave people in spiritual darkness. It is not compassionate to put yourself above other people as if you have better access to God than somebody else because you're a better person compassion is saying all fall short of the glory of God. Compassion is saying, hey, come with me and walk with Jesus with me. That is compassion. That is something that we all get to do. So as you make your list of people in your life, that's what I want you to do. You've got, God has these lists. You've got a list. The list that God has for you for the present is the people that God has placed in your life, your relational world. I like to call that your oikos oikos is a greek word it means your household it's the people in your relational world here's the thing god put those people in your life on purpose and some of them might be much easier to talk to some of them might not like you very much or maybe you don't like them very much not the point jesus died for them still your job is to pray for them to love them to invest in them and to care and to be there, to give of yourself for them. And by the way, when you're part of a church, when you're part of a community and it's legitimate, there's times when you need people to give to you, and they do. And it's the most wonderful thing when the church is being the church, when you realize how important those uh, relationships are, when you understand that, how important those relationships are, not just for a better life now, but also spiritually. Would you think about that and do this? Figure out who those people are in your relational world who maybe you ask them to Easter, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't feel like it's the right time. Maybe you ask them out to coffee. Maybe you just say, hey, can I pray for you about something? Maybe you just pray for them anyway. Whatever you do, start out by making a list. These are the people that God has placed in my life, not necessarily people you like, but people that you interact with every day. Hopefully you like them. Hopefully they like you. They may not like you. So what? They don't. People didn't like Jesus. He still died for them and pray for them. Pray for them every single day and ask God, how can I be used in their life? And I promise you, God's going to answer that. It'll shock you. And then serve those people in love. Tell them, you'll know, be prepared to give a reason for the hope you have. You find that the scriptures work so well together for what the Christian life ought to be. All right, thank you for listening to that, and uh, make your list. Uh, about eight to 15 people should be on that list. That's about it. That's what you can do. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show. We will be back in just a few minutes. You can follow us on social media. You can also get the podcast of the Pastor Scott Show. Just look for the Pastor Scott Show wherever you get your podcasts and click follow or subscribe. You can follow us on social media, at Pastor Scott Show on Instagram, X and Twitter and and uh, Facebook and TikTok. And also we're now on Rumble. Just look for the Pastor Scott Show and watch us there live. All right, we'll be back. Stay tuned. <laughs>